0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel North Shore, Wednesday midweek Bible study. Glad to have everybody here, and um, yeah, this is the place to be to hear the Word of God and to learn the Word of God and to really know the God of the Word. I'm glad that you guys all made it on this rainy day. I mean, I don't think it was raining hard here, but it was raining hard on the east side, so I thought it was like that here. I guess it's not. Oh, it was? Pastor Steve said it wasn't. False. False false report. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're in the middle of, uh, actually we're going to finish up the Sermon on the Mount. Um, If you guys been here for that, it's been a long journey, but we're at the end finally. But we're going to kind of, we're going to plow through some verses today. We're going to actually go into chapter 7 in just a little bit. But if you guys have a Bible or your tablets or your phones or whatever you may be using, could you guys please open to Matthew chapter 6? Um, and there's Bibles on the side too. Um, if you guys need one, raise your hand. Austin will get you one. There it is. <laughs> and Logan. Logan will get you one. Um, Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for your word. I pray that, um, that you would be here, that you are here, and we just want to be aware of your presence, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us tonight, God, um, through your word, and as we finish the Sermon on the Mount, Lord, we um, ask that we would, I think Austin said it, would receive your truth, um, and not just receive, but take it wholly, and and apply these things into our lives as um, they are the truth, and you are the truth, you are the life, Lord, and so um, help us to see this, to receive it. We pray for your spirit tonight to fill us and empower us, to encourage us, to correct us, Lord. And to reorient our hearts back on you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So last week, if you are here, we, you guys kind of came into what uh, Jesus actually warned us about the dangers of hypocrisy. We talked about that. This word simply means to actually uh, pretending to be somebody you're not. That's what this word means, pretending to be somebody you're not. Because it's one thing I said last week to be telling a lie, right? It's one thing to tell a lie, but it's another thing to be living one. Right, and, and Jesus, you guys came at the right time, and Jesus exposes hypocrisy with three things. Three things that a lot of Christians practice today, and we still do today, which is giving, which is praying, and which is fasting. Now, these three things are usually stuff you don't get rebuked for. Remember I said that last week? Like, I don't know anybody who's been rebuked for praying too much. Like, you've been praying too much, brother. Think You need to stop that. Right? Like, we don't hear that. Or or you don't rebuke somebody for giving too much away or being too generous. If anything, I'm not praying enough or I'm not being generous enough. But that's not what Jesus was saying. So I'm just kind of recapping. Rather, Jesus is showing us that there is a wrong way to do the right things. Okay, there's a wrong way to do the right things. Right, you can live righteously wrongly. And in Matthew 6, Jesus is saying that there are people who pretend to like me only to want nothing to do with me when nobody's around that's what he's saying there are people who pretend to like me only to want nothing to do with me when nobody's around and what this does and i said this is that it robs us it robs us from the joy of christian living right it robs us from the blessing of actually knowing god and not just knowing of him right like you're not getting into the kingdom by riding off of someone else's faith. It doesn't work like that. We're good? Huh? Thank you, Lord. Hey, you belong here. Huh? Yeah, we're good. You belong here. We belong here. Right? Like you're not getting into the kingdom by riding off of someone else's faith. And this is the truth. You're not getting to know Jesus if he's not what you're truly after. Right? You can do, as I said, you can go through all the motions, you can speak the language, you can know some scripture, but your works never saved you. Right? Jesus is the only one, who, only one who can make dead men and dead women alive again. Right? He's the only one who can soften hard hearts. Right? That's That's the whole point of Easter Sunday coming up, like he's here, like he's alive, like he's here, he's alive, he's not just some idea, like he's here right now with us. And as I was saying last week, is what God wants more than anything is who? You. Like what God wants more than anything is you, like he wants you. I'm going to say this every week, he wants your heart. Like he wants you, like you got to believe it. And the call last week wasn't for us to do more things. I didn't say for us to do more things last week. The call last week was to start walking in honesty. That was the call. To give yourself over to Jesus wholeheartedly. That's it. Not just going through the motions, because over time, And I've experienced this because over time, Christianity can turn into joyless obedience and begrudging submission. That's what happens when you just go through the motions. Joyless obedience and begrudging submission. You're just getting your time in, going down the list, and kind of checking off the box. I believe this is why people get burned out. This is why people kind of fall away. But did you know Christianity can also be soul-stirring? Did you know that? Did you know Christianity can also be deep-hearted, life-giving, spiritually abundant, super contagious, joy, joyful intimacy with Jesus? Did you know that? That's, I, I think that's why I'm so animated sometimes when I talk to people. <laughs> it's amazing. And all he was talking about was rewards Like, you want to know what the ultimate reward is? We keep thinking about rewards. That's what he's saying. Hey, your Heavenly Father will reward you. Your Heavenly Father will reward you. You You want to know what the reward is? The reward is him. You get him. All of him. Right? He's our inheritance. And everything that comes with him, salvation, security, hope, he's saying, put your faith in me. That's what he's saying. Right? Don't place your bets here right? don't place your bets on earth don't place your bets here because you never might know you never know what's going to happen tomorrow and he says that multiple times in the gospel you never know what's going to happen tomorrow this is why Jesus says materialism and anxiety they live together this isn't just kind of social anxiety. That's not what he's talking about. This is, th- this, is, this is anxiety that comes from materialism. And so that's what we're getting into. Now, last week I gave that illustration about the iceberg. Do you remember the illustration about the iceberg, right? Um, that we only see about 10 to 15 percent of the iceberg at a time. Eighty-five to 90 percent of the iceberg is actually underwater. It's beneath the surface. And so the Sermon on the Mount is designed to reveal what's really going on with us, right? Because to get to the heart of the issue is to get to the issues of the heart, right? So that's what Jesus is doing. That's what Jesus is after. He's after your heart. I heard another illustration saying that what God is doing in this sermon is kind of sticking us into an MRI. Anybody took an MRI before? At a hospital, you're right, you take an MRI, right? He's sticking us into an MRI and kind of showing us, scanning us, kind of showing us where we're sick, That's all he's doing. And how does Jesus do this? He's going after money and anxiety. He's going to bring up money and anxiety. And it has nothing to do about you having a lot of things or having very little. I think Pastor Steve preached on this last week. I said, oh, you're talking about money? I'm talking about money. We're not passing no plates. We're not asking for an offering. That's not what you're here for. No, I'm just talking. I'm just, this is what Jesus said. this is dealing specifically with our attitude towards wealth that's what matthew 6 is taught this is dealing specifically our attitude towards wealth and what you're putting your trust in amen so let's read verse 19 to 24 it says this i have the ESV. um you guys might have different translations so it might say something different but it all means the same thing Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. if you guys have a pen, underline that verse. Underline. If you guys have a pen, just underline that verse. 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. (laughs) So when I come across passages like this one, my first response, this is just me, I don't know if this is you, my first response is to gently dismiss this teaching because it just kind of really doesn't apply to me, right? Why? Because most people see materialism as having a lot. Right, like that, that guy has a lot, right? They see materialism, they, 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 they see materialism as somebody that has the abundant life, that has a lot. And the truth is, I don't have a lot. And if anything, I'm just getting by, right? You already know the prices here in Kauai. It is hard to live here. I'm just surviving, maybe just saving a couple bucks here and there. But this can be our way of justifying ourselves that we aren't materialistic people, Uh, That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing in my head. (laughs) We can easily look around the room and compare ourselves to people who are wealthier than we are. Jesus isn't saying that it's wrong to be wealthy. That's not what he's saying here. There are a lot of wealthy people in the Bible. The problem of materialism isn't the possession of things, having a lot. It's actually those things possessing us. That's what Jesus is saying. Right, so whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, everyone's heart is prone to treasure something. Everybody in here. It doesn't even matter if it has a lot of value or a little value, we all treasure something. Whether it's your business, whether it's your careers, whether it's your jobs, cars, monies, property, whatever it is, these things are not wrong to have, just don't let it have you. That's what he's saying. Just don't let it have you. And Jesus is saying, don't place your bets on earth because there's too much stuff you cannot control. That's what he's saying. Don't place your bets here because there's too much stuff you cannot control. There's too much unforeseen circumstances today and tomorrow's never promised. Like moth. I don't like moths. (laughs) Rust. He mentions thieves, right? These things represent everything on earth that will, be eventually, that will eventually be eaten away or taken away from us. And it could happen at any moment, like this. Any moment, right? At any moment, we can face another pandemic. You know how that went. I think all of us forgot maybe because it's back kind of back to normal. At any moment, we can face another pandemic. You know what happened to the businesses. At any moment, another disaster can happen on Kwai. If you've been here for that, it was crazy. Houses getting flooded and everything in it. These kinds of events are unpredictable, and our stuff here can give us a false sense of security. And the reason why people put their faith and I'm speaking to myself, put their faith in materialism or in materialistic possessions is because they believe it gives what God cannot. They believe it gives what God cannot. Happiness, joy, comfort, security, and yet Jesus is saying, don't be deceived. He's saying, do not be deceived. Rather, if you're going to invest in anything, invest into something where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. He's saying to lay up your treasures in heaven. You know what this means? Pay it forward. This means to invest your life in what God is doing, which cannot be lost. That's what he's saying. Invest yourself into people around you because they are souls you might see in heaven. Invest your life into knowing and loving Jesus because that's who you'll be with forever. And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is going to follow. What we treasure here, whether here on earth or here in heaven, will ultimately be what you give yourself over to. You kind of, you tracking with me? Right? So whatever we treasure here, whether here or in heaven, will ultimately be what we give ourselves over to. All of our time, and in this case, all of our money and all of our energy will be given over to what our hearts treasure the most. It's not, I'm going to invest in God, but also see comfort, joy, security, and these things down here, it doesn't work like that. That's what he's saying. And Jesus is saying, if your eye is good, you'll see what I'm saying. Right, so if your eye is good, you'll see what I'm saying. and But you not only see it, but you will be able to receive it. You'll receive what I'm saying. But if your eye is bad, you won't understand it. This doesn't make sense. It was rubbing me the wrong way too. It doesn't make sense. The kingdom of God never made sense. It's upside down. The bad eye represents the person trying to live for two worlds. That's what he's saying. One foot on earth, one foot in heaven. And Jesus is saying we cannot bet on earth and heaven at the same time. You either trust in what he's saying or you don't. It's really black and white. There is nothing in the middle. You either trust in what he says or you don't trust in what he says. You either forsake this false sense of security here or you don't. It's not 80% invest into Jesus, but I'm going to keep 20% here just in case something doesn't work out. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. <laughs> he didn't say you cannot have God in money. He said you cannot serve God in money. The question is, who's your God? And then he ends strong with this, right? You, he says you will love one, or hate the other, you will devote yourself to one and despise the other. Jesus is saying you cannot serve us both, but you will choose. Then he goes into verse 25, and Jesus is saying that materialism and anxiety really have a lot to do with each other. Well, how do we know that? Well, he says, therefore, right? When the Bible says therefore, it means that it's connected to what we just read which is about materialism, wealth, and centering our lives around worldly gain. And so let's read that, verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now Jesus is saying that life has much more meaning than eating and drinking. Right, that your body is much more than just about wearing clothes. He, he's saying that we who center our lives, right? so we who center our lives only around these worldly matters can miss the purpose of life's real meaning. God did not create you to just exist. Right, so he did not create you to just exist. He didn't create us in his image with no other purpose than to eat and wear clothes. He's saying stop wearing worrying about these things because your life is more than just about food, and your body is more than just about clothes. God is the giver of life. And he is the one who sustains the body, even the very breath that you breathe right now. He's saying he can take care of the lesser needs, like food and clothes. And then he gives us three illustrations. Let's look at the first one, which. Which is about birds. He's saying, "Look at the birds of the air." Verse twenty-six. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more uh, Are you not of more value than they? Right. So Jesus is saying, "Hey, look at the birds. If you ever got time, go look at the birds. Right, go look at the birds in the air. They don't got barns. They don't got saving accounts." They don't got 401ks. They don't got retirement plans. Now, nothing wrong with those things. It'd be wise to get them. But look at the birds. Doesn't the Lord take care of them? Doesn't your heavenly Father feed them? And then he asks, are you not of more value than the birds of the air? Everyone probably looked at each other like, yeah, I'm worth more than a bird. Now. Jesus isn't telling us to be idle, because I think we can get that kind of impression here. Jesus isn't telling us to be idle. He's not telling us that we are to be lazy, because even birds have to fly. Paul says, you don't work, you don't eat. But this is saying that if God provides for the birds, we can be sure that he provides for his children. Amen? And then verse 27 says this, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Um, another translation says, I think in the New King James Version, "Which one of you, um, by being worried or worried, can add a single cubit to his stature?" Is that what yours says, Mitch? Right? Can add a single cubit to his stature. Jesus is ba- basically saying, "Did you get any taller by being anxious about these things? About food and clothes, about materialism? Did you get any taller?" He got jokes. Right? Are you adding hours to your life about worrying about the future? Like, how's that going for you? Right? Like, look around you. He's saying all of creation preaches to us. All of creation depends on the Lord, and he provides for them. So how much more does he care for you? That's what he's trying to get at. And then he compares us to flowers. Verse 28, And why are you anxious about clothing? Oh, you of little faith. Now, he's not saying, Oh, you of little faith, like in a condemning. He's just saying, Hey, he's trying to plead with us, Oh, you of little faith. Jesus is saying, Did you not look? Did you look at the lilies? Right? Like, did you look at the lilies? Consider the flowers. Like, God decorates the grass with what is beautiful, and then he compares it to Solomon, like Solomon, like Proverbs Solomon. You guys read, uh, you turn for Christ, always read Proverbs, like Proverbs Solomon, right? Richest king, Israel Solomon, and he compares it to him. And even with all of his wealth, he's saying, and all of Solomon's splendor, he looked homeless compared to the lilies. That's what he's saying, which is, by the way, here today, gone tomorrow. He's saying, are you not more value than the grass of the fields? Are you speaking to you? And then he finishes with this, verse 31 through 34. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is his own trouble." You and I were created for more than just centering our lives around worldly gain. Like, we were created for much more than that, which can give us a false sense of security as I was saying earlier, because you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's not wrong to have a savings. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's not wrong to have a retirement plan. It's not wrong to have nice things. Jesus is saying, just don't let it have you. That's what he's saying. Don't place your bets on these things. Be careful, right? Keep a loose grip. It'll do you good, right? You can't control what you don't know. Th- this is why anxiety is and worry creeps in, right? So don't, he's saying, don't center your lives around what's unstable. it happens all the time, right? Don't, don't center your lives around worldly matters because your life is more than food and your body is more than just about clothes. Like th- this, this here is actually an invitation to put all of your trust, that's what he's saying. I want all of it. To hedge all of your bets, not just some, on Jesus. Because that's what verse 33 is. I, can, I know we can read it and we can just kind of seek first his kingdom. And, it's, and we sang it, seek first his kingdom. But all of it, all of your trust, all of your faith, all of it on him. To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness means to make Jesus the priority in this life. All these things will be added to you. That's the promise. He'll care for your needs, not your wants. He'll care for your needs. And that takes some crazy faith. I'm like, serious? Yeah. Right? Hey, I work. I make that money. But he gave you that job. The kingdom is upside down. It almost feels like, can I? He's saying, yeah, you can. Trust me. You want to be exalted? Humble yourself. That's what it looks like. You want to get? You better give. You want to have peace? You got to surrender. Right? You want to live? You got to die. It's backwards. That's what this is. He's saying, trust me. With everything. Invest into me. And you won't regret it. Amen? So that's the end of chapter six, and we're almost done. Put all your faith, put all your trust into Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And don't take that lightly, right? So, knowing in your Noah, I say it all the time, knowing in your Noah that he sees you and he got you. Now, this is cool because we move into the realm of our relationships with other, other people and then prayer. So, chapter seven, verse one and two, let's go. He says this. <coughs> Judge not that you may not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be, wait, sorry, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it would be, it will be measured to you. Now, a lot of people take this scripture and, and use it in a way to kind of justify their actions or kind of justify themselves. Hey, don't judge me because I don't judge you. Ever heard that? Yeah, that's not what this is saying, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. This is saying... Okay, just to sum this kind of up, right, this is saying, hey, give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, what would it look like if you guys gave me the benefit of the doubt? Or I gave you the benefit of the doubt, right? Because we don't know people's motives. We don't know people's motives, and we don't know people's hearts. Or, how's this one? Believe the best about people until they prove you wrong. Right? Believing the best about people until they prove you wrong. And I know this because I've been on the ranch for a long time. About four and a half years I've been on the ranch. And so when attitudes start changing and he ain't eating, right? When people scheming, I know what scheming looks like. It's just me, right? So when people are kind of scheming or kind of, I know what scheming looks like, right? So when this person is kind of acting weird or their attitude changes and they ain't eating, man, he's using. That's what I go, right? Instantly I go to, he, hey, but check this out, but there's times I was wrong. I've been more right than I was wrong, but there are times I was wrong, really wrong, really, really wrong. And that is devastating and discouraging for that person. He could just be having a hard time. I don't know that. Life's starting to play catch up. I know. See, we might not know what people might be going through. That's kind of the call here, not just on the ranch, but here even in ministry at church. Right? Believe the best about people. Don't be so hypercritical. You might not know what that person might be going through. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt until they prove you otherwise. Amen? Amen? Amen. And then he gives this amazing analogy. Verse 3 says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when there is a log in your own eye? Out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly the speck out of your brother's eye. So, this is kinda what this is. If I'm not, okay, just for your personal walks, I hope you guys understand that this is between you and God. And listen, if I'm not letting Jesus work in my life, if I'm not constantly surrendering myself over to him, if I'm not letting him work out my faults and my shortcomings, I can easily get into the place where I'm more critical and judgmental about other people's faults, right? So if you're not letting Jesus work on you, if you're not seeing the shortcomings, if you're not seeing these things because we all got it, we're not perfect, right, We, we can get into this place where we are more critical on people and more judgmental on other people's faults. And Jesus calls these people hypocrites. Hypocrite, as in pretending you don't got any faults. That's what he's saying. Pretending that you don't have anything wrong with you. This is where self righteousness comes in, and we tend to judge, judge others more harshly than we would ever judge ourselves. And so he gives this picture of a tree sticking out of someone's face. Right? So kind of look like this trying to help people. Right? So, You see a log coming out of someone's face, a tree coming out of someone's face, trying to help people. Like, how are you going to ever help somebody with a speck when you have a tree sticking out of your face? That's what he's saying. Let God work on that tree so we can handle rightly all these other little things in others. That's what he's saying. And then he says in verse 6 this, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, Lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So, in the context of judging, you are not meant to condemn anybody. That's what this is saying, but to minister to them. And what this simply means is to discern where they're at, right? Like, you got to know where these people are at. The way you come to them, the way that you approach them, the way that you minister, you got to know where they're at. Hey, are they receiving the word of God or are they not? And if not, draw back. Come back later. You don't need to do this right now. And to know when to do this, he kind of throws this, and to know when to do this, how to do this, is prayer. He throws this in here, is prayer. Let's read verse 7 through 11. He says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, if we just take this portion of scripture by itself, it kind of looks like a blank check right, we cannot do that. Jesus didn't just throw this in there to be read without its context, right? So check this out. The problem is I'm human. The problem is I can make mistakes. And so what he's saying in the context of making right judgments with people is pray. Pray for wisdom and direction. Pray for guidance guidance and discernment. James says it. Any of you lack wisdom, ask God. Ask God how to minister rightly to people and how to meet people where they're at because that's what Jesus did. He did this with the woman at the well. He did this with Nicodemus at night. He didn't read the same script for both people. Ask God for wisdom on how to approach people rightly because Jesus always meets us where we're at. Now, we can pray for a lot of things, I kind of wanted to bring this up. We can pray for a lot of things. We can ask for a lot of things. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But because he is a good father, no matter how much we convince ourselves we need something, no matter how much we want something, I believe God will never give something to his children that will ultimately harm them. No matter how much you convince yourself you need it, no matter how much you think you want it, I don't believe God, because he's a good father, will ever give something to you that will ultimately harm you. Doesn't mean that we can go out of our way and get it. You totally can. But this is total trust. This is total commitment. You know what I need. You know what I want. Nevertheless, let your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's guaranteed. God's kingdom is guaranteed. This is what he says in Luke 12. So we get an idea. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom and everything in it. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. And he's talking about the kingdom of God. And then he ends with this, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets back to our relationships with each other and how we are to live with each other here as a body, as people, as brothers and sisters. Love how you would want to be loved. That's what this is saying. Love how you would want to be loved. Serve how you would want to be served. Judge the way that you would want to be judged. This is love your neighbor as yourself. Because all of us here know how to love ourselves. That's for sure. All of us know what we want. All of us know how to be treated. And instead of criticizing other people and that's how they should be, you go out of your way and go and bless them. I'm going to close with this. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 8, verses 35 to 36. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? <laughs> the po- it kind of like, I'll like, say. G- Jesus is saying all of you for all of him. Jesus is saying all of you for all of him. Not all of him and 20% of you. Not all of him and I'm just going to get sober. The deal is all of him for all of you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You want to live, you got to die. You want to gain, you got to surrender. I like this. He said one time Pastor Jason said, hey, step into it because I know, I know we can know things and now we can hear things and we can kind of forget about it, kind of just go out and live and do our own thing again, hear the message, hey, Jesus loves me, Jesus wants me, but you go out and you just continue doing your own thing. Like Jesus is worth it. Pastor Jason said this, I triple dog dare you to step into this. I dare you. Put your faith in Jesus. Invest into Jesus. Invest into the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for this sermon, Lord. I thank you, God, that we can come into this place and you make yourself available to us that you're not hiding somewhere, Lord. You completely reveal yourself to us through your word, Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would bless all the women, all the men, all the children here tonight, God. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a very powerful way this week, Lord. And I pray that we would put out everything, like everything. It kind of struck me when you said everything. Put everything. You don't trust anything here. You said put everything. Put all your faith in to me Lord and so I pray that we would take that step of faith Lord God and that we would follow you and we would trust your words and trust them enough to live this way Lord God and so Father I pray that you would be with every person here tonight God give everybody sweet sleep as they go home and be with their families Lord and eat dinner whatever they do Lord God and I pray that you would keep them safe on their journey home And bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.